Welcome to Tavern Talk. Hey there, guys. This is Corian Zillison, also known as Reed. And once upon a time, long, long ago, possibly even twice upon a time, I promised you guys a Tavern Talk about monsters. And up until this past weekend when we were playing and we went, hey, you know, we used to do Tavern Talks. I had totally forgotten about it. So now that I am reminded, we will get back on schedule with that. And also, my life is a little bit more in order, not completely, but it makes it a bit easier to fit one of these in. So, uh, originally I said I was going to build a monster for this, and I definitely plan on doing that. But I did want to spend some time prefacing it, so I think I will just make this Tavern Talk the preface to building a monster. So that we can get kind of my mindset and my ideology around monsters out in the open so that you understand what we're going through here when we start building one. And then we can crack down in the next Tavern Talk on actually building a monster. So, to start off the preface, let's talk about something that is not monsters. Let's talk about characters. And one of my biggest problems with characters in the mainline fantasy systems of D&D and Pathfinder, which is basically D&D, is that characters are kind of all created equal. They're just basically a template for your character and they do a lot to not hinder you from doing what you want with your character and therefore the end result of having a race in D&D and Pathfinder is that you get some bonuses some minor abilities that do not have much of an impact and probably some skill bonuses uh, for a lot of the races at least so in at the end of the day they're not significant enough differences to actually stop you from being any specific class if you want to be an orc wizard you're more than welcome to if you want to be an elf berserker you can definitely do that it's only a two point offset on your constitution so it's something that you can overcome and heck as an elf you get some weapon proficiencies that an orc barbarian might not have i can't actually remember if uh, orc barbarians get all the weapon proficiencies but regardless that is beyond the point uh, the point being, obviously, like I said, that they're all pretty average. And I only bring this up because let's talk about goblins. What are goblins? Goblins are these little half-sized green things that poke you with spears and smack you with clubs and maybe have a dagger. And this is the starting point for most adventures. Sometimes it's kobolds. Sometimes it's something a little more extravagant. But even kobolds are basically goblins. A goblin and kobold, not terribly much different there. And that is terribly obnoxious. But it doesn't stop there, unfortunately. Because after you're done slaying your goblins, you get to fight orcs. And orcs are medium-sized green things with axes instead of swords. And probably still have spears. And maybe have bows, even. So... It's a little bit of an upgrade, but it's really just a bigger goblin. And because it's bigger, it has a couple different weapons. And then we move on to, hey, gnolls maybe are next on your list. Gnolls are a bit tougher. They're two hit dice instead of one. And a gnoll, heck, it's a hyena thing. It must be clearly different. You look at this picture and you're like, this is no longer a green thing. We fought little green things. We fought big green things. This is not green. This is furry and looks like a hyena. But... When it boils down to it, and Noel has an axe just like an orc, and it swings its axe just like an orc, and it's basically just a tougher orc. And then we go up to ogres. 
And the first time you run into an ogre, for most characters, you end up dying just because ogres tend to be a little overpowered for their CR, at least historically speaking, because they're supposed to be this big boss monster. But beyond that, at the end of the day, it is a really big orc or a really, really, really big goblin with a big club. And because it's bigger, it has some more hit points and it has a bigger weapon. But regardless, it doesn't do anything differently from the goblins or the orcs or the gnoll. And that is really the problem. Again, when we compare it, this is why I brought up races to begin with. It's just a couple stat points differences. It's maybe a couple skills that for most players, most players who play a more hack and slashy kind of campaign, it's the skill bonuses are not going to come into that much effect. They will in corner cases where you're just kind of exploring the dungeon. Then maybe the goblins sneak up on you with their hide check. But by and large, they all fight the same. They all give you the same degree of experience proportionally. And overall, it's just goblin one, goblin two, goblin three, and then goblin four. And then after you're done fighting goblin four, which is the ogre, Eh, then maybe you get into something a bit more interesting. And obviously this is a problem, as I keep on saying. These are significantly different creatures. The goblins are shifty, they should be fast, they should be sneaky, and that doesn't really come across to most combats. Most combats, the goblins will ambush you, okay, so that's a little sneaky, but beyond that, once you actually start fighting the goblins... They just start wailing their arms around in the same exact manner that orcs do. And orcs are pretty generic, and maybe the orc might have a class. Maybe it's an orc barbarian, in which case it has an ability. It has rage. That makes it a bit more interesting and a bit more different from the goblin. But if it doesn't, if it's just orc NPC generic out of the monster manual, then there's really no difference. And not to beat the horse dead or anything, but we want to know... Shouldn't the have some kind of special ability? And onto the ogre. Obviously, the ogre is a lot tougher, so that makes it a bit more unique. But we can definitely add something to that, right? We can definitely add some kind of other special abilities that make it so that it's just not a meat bag. It has something a bit more distinctive about it. And that's the mindset that I want to maintain when we're building monsters. I want to maintain this idea that when we're building this monster, it can't just be an orc. It just can't be a reskin of an orc. We can't take the the orc stats, toss it into a different CG image, and call it a brand new monster. We can't just color it, color it red and say, oh, this is an Urukai or something. So that is going to be my number one priority when building this monster is looking at the monster, deciding what the real essence of the monster is, and making sure that that essence gets across in a mechanics standpoint. There has to be a mechanic for this monster that makes it different from an orc or, you know, whatever monster it's going to be most similar to. You know, maybe we do something a bit bigger. Maybe it's something that looks a little bit more like an owlbear or something like that. But it has to have some kind of at least one mechanical difference that causes it to fight differently from, again, again, a owlbear, let's say, at this point. So that's in combat. And combat, you know... It's rolling dice, it's taking turns, and rolling some more dice and taking some more turns. So, it gets a little bit repetitive. Hopefully, our mechanic that we put into our monster changes that. However, we have other opportunities to develop this monster. This monster doesn't just have to be an in-combat monster. It doesn't just 
randomly pop out out of the high grass and appear. So there's other things that we should be looking at. We should be looking at what environment does this creature live in. And that also can be part of its mechanics. We can say, okay, maybe there's specific terrain that this monster lives in. And that substitutes for the mechanic that's innate on the creature. Or we can also look at things like, how do we build up the entrance of this monster? How do we set this up for the adventures that they're excited or scared or really, really just curious about encountering this monster in order to make this a more unique experience? And obviously, if you're building some kind of base grunt monster, like if you're just building an orc, this may not be necessary. However, I would definitely suggest you look into it because, okay, maybe we're in the northern tundra and we have blue orc as our enemy. And maybe, you know, the players might not mind that. But maybe instead of just leaving it at that, we should consider, okay, maybe these orcs behave differently than normal orcs because of their environment and therefore have different kinds of encounters instead of just having the orcs jump up from behind a hill and start attacking you know come charging at the monsters maybe we can use something with the snow with the ice maybe they only attack on ice or in areas where the ground is slippery and they have special footwear to circumvent that so that's another thing that we can incorporate that's not purely mechanical it can be mechanical it can definitely have mechanics in it but those mechanics are not tied directly to the monster. They're not because of the monster, they're because of the environment the monster lives in. And along those lines, along the lines of the players anticipating and expecting certain things from the creature and being excited or not about it, we should definitely consider how rare this creature is. And if it is a more rare creature, then perhaps we should make it more powerful, more individually powerful, because monsters basically come in two different types. Basically, you have the large monster that has a lot of HP and deals a lot of damage. And then you have the smaller monsters that attack in groups. So we definitely need to determine whether this is going to be a group monster or not. And if it is a group monster, then we should be figuring out ahead of time on how each encounter with this group monster. Because there's going to be many of them and their players are going to run into them reasonably often. How each encounter is going to be different because of how the monsters behave. Whereas with the big monster, we got to figure out exactly how we're going to build this situation up to most accent how powerful this monster is so that the players hopefully never want to fight it again and have an epic tale to bring back to the tavern later on. So again, this is kind of in the realm of the environmental stuff and the setup for the monster and the sur surroundings, but it's also a lot more meta, this kind of way of looking at it. If we take it from that direction of how are the players specifically going to treat this in the larger scope of the campaign, then we can get a little bit more better feel of how we want to design the monster. And those things I just listed are all very concrete things to keep in mind when building the monster. But there is one more thing I'd like to talk about that's a bit more abstract. And that is the fact that we are not the players. And that's definitely something that we can lose track of when building this encounter that is really, really important to keep in mind at all times because we could have this awesome monster and we could think it's the coolest thing in the world and then the players could slaughter it mercilessly and our plan, our big grand plan of having this thing be a cool encounter could just go down the tubes. And we've got to kind of be aware of that. we got to be aware of the fact that we are not necessarily doing this purely for ourselves, but we're doing this for the group 
And if it falls flat, then that kind of sucks. But them's the breaks. And also, we can't really get upset about it because the players are just doing what the players have been doing with every single other monster in the monster manual. There's no real reason. Uh, there's a meta reason why they might say, hey, wait a second, I've never read that monster in any of the splat books. Maybe that's a brand new creation made by our DM. But outside of that, they should probably assume that it's just something you found in an obscure place. And therefore, if worse comes to worse and they do just murder it, we got to be cool with it. We got to accept what it is. And we also got to try not to design the monster along these lines along the lines that I was just talking about, we got to try not to design the monster in such a way that it is impossible for the players to just destroy. We can't just sit there and go, well, you are a group of sword wielders, and good thing that this monster is completely impervious to anything that's not blunt. So I guess you guys just got to use your noggins and come up with something creative, and that's going to be my gimmick for how to make this an interesting fight. You know, little things, sure, you can get away with it, but we got to try not to go too heavy on it. We can't be ambulitious with it. We've got to do things like that. We can definitely make a monster that's immune to anything, not blunt, but we should probably ease the players into it in such a way that it's just not an obvious punishment to the players. It's not our way as the DM exercising our power and winning the game. So... When we're designing it, if we design it with, let's say, let's say that we're building some kind of werewolf, and this ties directly into lightlessness, and if you have not been listening to lightlessness, you should. So go catch up, and you'll hear about something very similar to what I'm talking about here, and that is, if we have a werewolf, it is immune to damage that is not silvered, we should probably either leave some hints out there for the players that they should get silvered weapons, or drop them a silver weapon or two, and ideally have it in some way designed for the characters that cannot cope with the werewolf if for example we have a monk and the monk has magical attacks we don't need to drop him a weapon we can just drop one weapon for the fighter and then the rogue can do other things like maybe the rogue we know has a tangle foot or has some kind of trip or distract ability we can anticipate the rogue not dealing damage this battle, but still contributing to the battle in other ways. That, in that case, makes the encounter more memorable because now it's not just, okay, everybody pokey pokey stabby stabby. Now it's, we have to tactically maneuver the situation in order to maximize the damage of one character, which makes it, again, a lot more interesting. So, again, if we're going to do anything that's going to contradict the powers, uh, the party's build, so to say, I apologize for using that term, but it's kind of the most appropriate term. The way the party is set up, if we're going to subvert that, we should do it in a soft manner rather than just a hard counter. There's a couple other very, very specific things that I think I could add on to this list, but I think I will save those for the actual building of the monster. There are things like how much hit dice, how much damage, those kinds of considerations that I could talk about here, and I could give an overview of what I feel is appropriate. But I think it's better to just do those ones as examples because they have very concrete answers as opposed to abstract, how does this monster feel? How does it interact with its imaginary environment? Kind of high-minded ideas that I've been throwing out here. So we'll save that all for next time. Uh, again, things to keep in mind when building a monster, 
try to make it unique. Try to just not make it an orc or a dragon with a reskin. Try to take its environment and how you're going to set up the account encounter into account. Keep in mind how the players are going to react to this monster. And if you can change how they react to it, if you can perhaps move them into a direction that would make the encounter mentally, it move them into a mental direction, into a state of mind that would make the encounter more impactful. Do so, set that up ahead of time. And then obviously we're all playing together. Be nice. Don't do horrible things to a player. Don't cry because your monster get killed, etc. So those are, that's kind of the five overview points that I was talking about here. Just to recap, and as always, if you did enjoy this Tavern Talk, do feel free to like, for share, etc. We greatly appreciate that, especially the sharing part, because that means that more people get to listen to us and more people get involved in the community, which is great. Pathlesspod.com is the website where you can get the RSS feed and the links and such to download the episodes. And hopefully the next episode should be out soon. And until then, I hope you have a great and wonderful day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and I will catch you next time.